Isaac, it really is a great honor to be standing up here uh, to do this part of the service, uh, to preach, uh, to open up God's word, and to speak. Um, you are and we are with dear brothers and sisters. You're with family, right? You're with friends. And then there's Brett. Not sure how he fits into all that, but... Uh, as he already indicated, just think about all the time and energy and investment and the sacrifice that culminates into this service. Uh, as one season of your life comes to a close, the preparatory season, a new season opens up to you, a ministry of the word and the holy sacraments in the church and in the kingdom of our G- Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are things I wish I could say to you, like everything is going to be great and everything is going to be fine. Everyone's going to love you. Every sermon's going to rock the world of all who hear it. There are things I can say. But my simple hope is that I can say something meaningful to you. Say something meaningful as you cross the threshold from one season to another season. And what better place for us to pause just a few minutes and to reflect on Matthew chapter 3 and the baptism of Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God. There are too many things to say, too much to say about a passage like this, Uh, but we're going to dive in anyway. It's going to be very specific. The first thing that needs to be said about this particular passage that Steve read for us, Matthew chapter 3, is how amazing the scripture is. The truth is there really aren't that many scriptures that are quite like this one. How often do we see all three persons of the Trinity in the same place, at the same time, visibly manifested to creatures in this world? It's really amazing. It happened at creation, but nobody was there, right? Uh, And it's so clear and so powerful here. But here they are, our God and our Father rending the heavens to speak. The Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, being baptized. And the Holy Spirit descending in bodily form and resting upon Jesus Christ. What we're witnessing is something that is hard for us to understand is we are witnessing the divine life. We're witnessing how the three persons of the Trinity love and care for each other. We're witnessing something of the relationship that they have with one another. And here it is playing out in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we hear these words from the Father above. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. He's not a son by birth. He's not a son by adoption. He's not a son by grace, like we are. He is eternally begotten of his Father. In the words of the creed, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not created, of one essence. 
with the Father. And the Father expresses his love through the voice that he speaks over Jesus at his baptism. This is my beloved son. But the Father also expresses his love in the fact that he sends the Spirit as a gift to descend upon Jesus and to rest upon him. The Lord Jesus is the beloved son of his father. What's interesting about this phrase, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, it's used three times in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 12, as Jesus experiences a lot of conflict, uh, as uh, the the, um, opposition to his ministry starts to ramp up, We hear it through the words of Isaiah the prophet. In Matthew chapter 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus in glory, as they disappear and all that is left is Jesus, the Son of God, we hear the same thing. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I want you to think about that for a second, Isaac. Jesus needed to hear this. Three times. And if the Son of God needed to hear it, so do you. Not just about Jesus, but about you. You see, you are being called into the life that we see actually displayed in the baptism of Jesus. You're being called into the life of the Holy Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit is the life into which you are being called. In a very special and a unique way. And Isaac, in Jesus Christ, by grace, by adoption... The Father says to you, you are my beloved Son, and with you I am pleased. And because you are his Son, he has sent the Spirit of his Son into your heart as a gift of that love. So why am I reminding us of Jesus' baptism? Well, maybe tonight you'll be reminded that you get to baptize other people someday. Hopefully soon. And that you get to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You get to baptize them into the very grace and love and fellowship that you see manifest in Matthew chapter 3. There's something more we need to hear tonight about this story. That's not all that's happening here. You see, Jesus' baptism isn't just his entrance into or the identification with membership into the kingdom of God, like it is for us. It's not just his initiation into the divine life and and the ministry and the grace and communion of God, like it is for us. You see, baptism is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You see, the Father's love and approbation 
You are beloved and in you I am pleased. And the Spirit's descent upon Jesus and resting upon Jesus are in preparation for his ministry. They are the equipment that Jesus will then take into his ministry. They are the context in which Jesus will live. The context in which Jesus will minister. The context in which he will speak. In which he will preach. The power by which he will do these things. The power by which he can face all kinds of opposition. It is the divine voice that speaks over him. It is the ministry of the Spirit as a gift that has descended upon him. It is the context in which Jesus himself will minister. Isaac, the same resources for your ministry, these same resources are yours. And they are yours in Jesus Christ. The Father's love and approbation and the anointing and the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you are brought into that life. And that life becomes now the context in which you minister, the power by which you minister. It constrains how you think, it constrains how you speak, it constrains how you relate to other people, just as it did for Jesus. If you were to read further on, like we did in Timothy, or as I'll make reference in Galatians in just a moment, what we'll see is that the apostle picks up the same language that Jesus heard in his baptism and in his call to ministry, and he begins to realize that the same kinds of things that were happening to Jesus in his baptism happened to him in his call to the ministry. So in Galatians chapter 1, Right? Paul has to defend his ministry, right? Given the context of the book of Galatians, uh, Paul's ministry is in doubt a little bit, is being questioned by others. The church is sort of waffling exactly how Paul fits into all of this. And in chapter 1 of the book of Galatians, Paul says it pleased God to call him into the gospel ministry. That is, God delighted in Paul. And was pleased to call him as a faithful servant. You can hear the echoes that Paul hears resonating in his own call to the ministry. You are my beloved son, Paul, and you I am well pleased. And so Paul says, God was pleased to call me into the gospel ministry. Or in the passage that we just read in, in 1 Timothy We hear that Paul gives thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. In words that are a little difficult for us to understand, especially for somebody who is uh, acted the way that Paul does, it says that Jesus judged Paul faithful. Though he was a former blasphemer and persecutor of the church, insolent, hard-hearted, and hard-headed, But he says, Jesus showed the worst of all, he says, mercy. The worst of the worst, he showed mercy as an example to all those who would believe in the Lord Jesus. So Jesus takes Paul, counts him worthy to be a servant, so that he might be an example to others of the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus. 
But did you hear how Paul spoke about his call to the ministry? He says it was the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul is beloved by God because he is in Jesus. God is pleased to call him as a servant. The echoes of the baptism of Jesus are right there. And Paul says it is by the grace and the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. That's what has been overflowing to Paul and what qualifies him now to be a servant in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. But there's even more. Paul, when he speaks to Timothy, the pastor, when he's encouraging Timothy to be a faithful servant, he says to Timothy, Timothy, there was a gift that was given to you when the elders laid their hands on you. The gift can only be the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, descending upon you through the laying on of hands, Timothy, equipping you for ministry and for service in the kingdom of heaven. Paul echoes this in what he said in the first letter. He echoes it in the second letter. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of many hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because that's what the spirit of God produces. You see, the gift that needs to be fanned is the Spirit of God that has descended upon Timothy and equips him for the gospel ministry. It is a spirit that will help him stand against fear. It is a a spirit that helps him stand against temptation, against all the things that ministry brings. Paul says, look, you have a gift and it was conferred upon you by God through the laying on of your hands. When you were commissioned to the ministry, the Spirit of God descended upon you and equipped you to be faithful, to act in power, to act in love, to act in self-control. Ministry is a very strange thing, Isaac. It's hard to describe. And one of the reasons why it's hard to describe is because at some point you won't remember what your life was like before ministry. But you need to. God doesn't love you because you're a minister. He isn't pleased with you because you have some faithful decades of ministry. That's where he starts with you. Because I love you. Because I'm pleased with you. I'm setting you apart for the gospel ministry. It's good to remember that. The grace of our Lord has flowed to you with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Not because you are a minister, 
but as the very context for qualifying you to be a minister. And in a moment, we're going to lay hands on you. Paul says God confers the gift of his spirit upon you, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. I don't know how all that works, but we don't have to. If we could explain how God works, then we certainly wouldn't be lost in wonder, love, and praise, could we? There is something mysterious happening tonight. There's something mysterious, just as mysterious as the baptism of the Lord Jesus, just as mysterious as Paul himself being called to the ministry. There is something mysterious happening tonight, and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are ministering to you very powerfully, consecrating you to be a servant. Isaac, walk in the love of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Run the race of ministry armed with these grace-filled words. You are my beloved son, and with you I am pleased. Face the ups and the downs of ministry, the successes and the failures. You will even have to face extra sufferings for being a minister of Jesus Christ. There's no way around it. You have been found worthy to carry the cross in a very special way as a minister of Jesus. But do so with the confidence of these words and in the power of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. His presence with you and his presence in you. And when your ministry is judged by our Savior on the last day, determine in your heart that you will offer to him, because of his great love and mercy to you, that you will offer to him a ministry of gold and silver and precious stones, as Paul says. Out of love for him, Returning that which he has loved you, returning that which he has entrusted to you, you now have a chance on the last day to stand before God, not with empty hands, but with a ministry of gold and silver and precious stones that will not be consumed by fire, Paul says, but rather made manifest. That you have walked in the love of God. That you have walked in the spirit of God. Paul says, for in such a ministry, there is a great reward. May that be the case for you. May you have that reward on that day. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.